Welcome to the Philosophy Podcast, where host and lacrosse expert Jamie Monroe will do what he does best, talk about lacrosse. Each episode will provide listeners with education, insights, stories, and lessons about the lacrosse world. We will discuss current events, coaching, philosophies, and college lacrosse recruiting. Now let's get started with your host, Jamie Monroe. How's it going, everybody? Thank you so much for tuning in to my podcasts. I've had so much fun doing them. I only wish that I'd started recording my lacrosse conversations like 25 or 30 years ago. Now, if you like these podcasts, you will love the content I've created in the JM3 coaches training programs and the academies. Whether you're a coach or a player or a parent, there's so much great information for you guys. I've done this content for men's lacrosse and women's lacrosse for box lacrosse, field lacrosse, youth lacrosse. And the great news is I've created a seven day free trial. So if you're tired of endlessly searching the internet for great content, just go to www.jm3sports.com slash free trial. And you can get access to all of the content I've created for free for seven days. Trust me, when you take a look at it, you're gonna want more. Almost everybody gets hooked. All right, enjoy the rest of the podcast. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the 2020 Philacrosophy Podcast in-season edition with PLL head coach Andy Towers. We're going to break down Andy's top 20 and uh, really fired up to be talking about lacrosse in lacrosse season. What's going on, AT? How you doing? Good. I'm above average still. You're from New Canaan. So, therefore, everyone's above average. <laughs> That's not true. There's a ton of people way below average. Really? Um, but, uh, you know, it really depends on where, what you're talking about specifically, Jamie. But, yeah. Uh, well, of- academics and lacrosse, above average. Yeah. Okay. We are going to be doing a, a new format uh, where we're going to, like, do kind of like um, – pardon, pardon my interruption – and we're going to crank this off in about a minute 15 for the, your top 20. Uh, 11 through 20 will be a minute and 15. And then 1 through 10 will be 2 minutes and 15 seconds. We're going to get a breakdown. Uh, we'll go back and forth a little bit. But before we get going, um, I'm pretty excited to tell you that John Canaris sent me a uh, Twitter message saying that he was really interested in getting the Oxia Time sponsorship going with us again, which I am so fired up about. John Canaris uh, runs this company called OxyTime, former goalie at Penn, and it's an awesome product. And apparently um, there are, he's got tons of new schools. It's not just going to be Ivy League moving forward. And um, you should see the championship watches that the University of Virginia got. They're pretty sick. I bet they are sick. So let's get right into this. AT, you're on the clock. Talk to us about number 20, Princeton. Uh, listen, Princeton, the last few years, uh, you know, as it relates to qualifying for the NCAA championship, you know, has not gotten it done in that respect. With that said, they have probably the most electric player in the country in Mikey Sowers and any team with a player like that on it has to be in the top 20, in my opinion. Uh, the reality is he's, you know, Seven points on a bad day, seemingly, and at this point in his career, is it's not unrealistic to think he's not 
10 points plus. So I got to believe that Princeton's going to have the offense that they need. They got to lock down first team All-American caliber defenseman George Bond. They have to be in the top 20, but I have them no higher than 20. Um, also, joining the attack this year is Oregon freshman on the USA team, Alex Slusher. Um, I saw this kid playing since he was fired in eighth or ninth grader, and, you know, he's going to be a pretty interesting compliment because the kid has legitimate slashing ability. I think he's a lot like Drew McKnight. He's the guy that reminds me most of Alex Slusher. All right, any final comments? Uh, nope, I'm commented out. All right. Here we go. Okay, let's hear about number 19, Army. Uh, I just am really impressed with the job that Joe Alberici and his staff has done since his arrival there. Uh, obviously, they graduated Johnny Cernick, who's National Defenseman of the Year. Uh, A.J. Barreto, I think, was the kid's first name. The goalie from St. Paul's, who was one of the best goalies in the country. Um, they lose those two guys, but they get Brendan Nick turned back who I think put up about 80 points as a freshman last year. So I think that they're going to have offensive output. You marry that up with the fact that they're always ready to play. They play start to finish. They're very well coached. Um, you know, based off their recent success, I, I don't think it's a bad spot for them at 19. Yeah, Joel Arisi, year in, year out, um, does as good of a job as anybody. They play great defense, and I feel like – um, they finally have the scoring uh, potential that they that, – and when they do, they win tournament games. Yep, yep. All right, number 18, UMass. UMass, uh, again, they just seem to get it done every single year, and that speaks to Greg Canella and his staff and what they're able to do and the culture of the program. You know, this is a team that's – you know, one of the toughest teams in the country every single year. They beat you between the lines. They just don't beat themselves. They're tough defensively. They're opportunistic offensively. The question mark for me is who's going to be, fill the shoes of Sean Scannone. He was in first-team All-American goalie last year, um, and he's going to be greatly missed. But just knowing the way that UMass is so stingy on the defensive end, I expect them uh, to be there in the end to play for the CAA championship and, and ultimately a berth in the NCAA tournament. Number 17, Towson. Towson. Towson, almost a carbon copy of uh, UMass. A little more defensive orientated than, uh, than UMass is, but a very similar team just down south. They got a great coach, Sean Natalin. Again, they're there every single year. It seems like they win, you know, two or three games. They probably would be considered underdogs going into. Um, and at the same time, they, they end up losing a, a game or two that you almost think that they shouldn't lose. But again, I see UMass and Towson as the two teams in the CAA. Uh, and so I, I like them in there at 16. There are some question marks with Towson as far as replacing the faceoffs. Yep. There's no question about it. You know, Alex Woodall's success changed them as any faceoff guy winning 70% plus will do. And he's going to be sorely missed. But again, this is a team that is very, very strong on the defensive end. And from what I've heard on early reports, defensively, you know, they're going to be right there with the best teams in the country. Um, they got uh, the guy Smith, defenseman Kobe Smith, who's, you know, yeah. first team All-American candidate, score and transition. You know, this is a team that's, that's not going to try to outscore you, but you're going to have a tough time scoring goals on them. Yep, no doubt. And they got to replace Brendan Sunday in attack. And uh, what was the name of that shorty that was just off the charts? Uh, Zach Goodrich. Zach Goodrich. Uh, 
total stud. And so obviously, you know, lots to replace, but Coach Natalin, similar, like you said, to, to UMass and Coach Canella, these guys are just blue collar, they're gritty, they play great team lacrosse. Yeah. And also they got to replace their offensive coordinator, um, who uh, uh, Anthony Gallardi, who took the head that's job at Stony Brook. And that's a huge, that's a huge, huge shoes to fill as well. No question about it. All right. Number 15, number 16, Loyola. Yeah, Loyola, you know, even though the elephant in the room is Pat Spencer is now gone and, and uh, you know, the fact that he was such a high-impact player for them for four years and, and, and you know, one of the best offensive players in the history of the sport. But they're going to have a, a new look, you know, with um, uh, the transfer of uh, – who's that mini guy? Chase Scanlon. Yeah, with Chase, right. With Chase Scanlon transferring to Syracuse, I think they still retain, I think, one of the most unique offensive players in the country in Kevin Lindley. I think I, I, I look at him as the best interior attackman in the country. With that said, you know, he does need to play with some good passers in order to really, uh, you know, be appreciated. But I do see him expanding his role in the offensive end this year. I wouldn't be surprised if he carries the ball a little bit more. And he can dodge. Um, but you got him as, I think, probably the best offensive player in the Patriot League. And then on the other end, you got Ryan McNulty, who's a playmaker between the lines to pull in his hands. Uh, again, one of the best coached programs year in, year out. Kwani and, and Charlie Toomey and Mark Van, uh, I, I feel comfortable with Loyola at 16. All right, so let's talk about Georgetown at 15. Yeah, Kevin Warren. I don't know if you can say anybody other than maybe Lars – uh, that has done a better job of resurrecting the passion within a program the way that Kevin Warren has done the last two years at Georgetown. Um, you know, I think they they're coming off two successive Big East championships, aren't they? Yeah. Denver, you know, two times in a row, and and that's incredible. They do graduate some players, but they get a great transfer in your son Colin Monroe. They got uh, is Jack Caraway. Is that his name? Jake. Jake Caraway, uh, one of the best attackmen in the country. They got a great freshman player in Graham Bundy, Bundo's kid, who's a stud. And, you know, I just think this is a team that is no longer a threat to lose games they, they shouldn't lose, and they are a threat to beat anybody on game day. So I like Georgetown in the top 15. Yeah, Coach Warren always has great defense, too, and they've got uh, uh, their boy Gibby is a lockdown cover guy um, and uh, can really help all of the matchups. Right. All right, so let's talk about number 14, Denver. Same conference. Yeah, you know, Denver, again, is there every single year. They're a threat to beat every team that they play. I, I, you know, there was a point uh, a year or so ago where I felt that Denver may never lose a lacrosse game again. You know, and to think that they've only won one national championship is kind of shocking because, you know, you go back to like two, four, 2014 and I felt like they were going to win every national championship until Bill Tierney retired. Um, but they haven't done that. They've fallen off a little bit. Um, they are in a position where they got two great face-off guys back in the program, and if they can regain extreme dominance at that aspect of the game like they had with Trevor Baptiste, this is a team that's going to really thrive given the creativity that Matt Brown as the offensive coordinator they're at, they have and in, the, in the, you know, the playmaking ability of Ethan Walker and, and some other freshmen. So I expect Denver to be back uh, in full effect this season. Interesting loss um, at Denver also with their defensive coordinator and Coach Orson moving on to Navy. Uh, word on the street is that Coach Tierney 
um, is uh, coaching the defense, which uh, is that's scary. That, that's it is scary because obviously he's the architect of the modern day defense. And if anybody's going to get guys to play and believe, it's going to be Bill Tierney. That's right. All right, so let's talk about number 13, Johns Hopkins. Right. I, I, uh, this, to me, I don't think Hopkins has gotten enough credit. You know, I, I remember last year the game that they played against Penn State, and I think it was in the Big Ten Championship. Actually, they got destroyed uh, the Sunday before. I, I want to say that they came back and they, they – you know, played Penn State as well as anybody had played them all year long. They had two wins over Maryland last year. They got one of the very best players in the country, Joey Epstein. But I also think that they finally have some balance with the speed and athleticism that Evan, Zing's, Evan Zinn brings to them. Uh, you know, he's about 6'4". He's unbelievably fast with a bomb on the run. And if they can get some balance – out of midfield scoring to offset teams loading up on Joey Epstein and they continue to play fast and connect, connected on the defensive end, you know, I see Hopkins uh, having a great season. I do. I was just at a Hopkins practice last Thursday. Um, and um, I think you saw it. It was reported um, by inside the cross that Joey Epstein's out with a lower leg injury. So yeah. he's going to make a pretty big difference for him. Hopefully he'll be back. Um, there's no question that that kid, I mean, in this year of 20, uh, 2020 where, it, you know, Joey Epstein is, you know, rated as a third team all American. I mean, that guy could be a torts and finalist. He's got no so much ability. I mean, he's no. an unbelievable player No uh, question. and we'll get his due, but, um, but they need him. Uh, they did look slick. They moved the ball really well. They looked good. They looked organized. And from what I hear, they played well, um, in their scrimmages on Saturday against Marquette and Richmond. Mm -hmm. Um, Number 12, high point. Uh, our boy Torps has just been, uh, you know, really, really successful in building a, an unbelievable culture down there. It seems like even though the school itself is, is so nice, I know the people that have been down there and walked around the campus, you know, you, you constantly hear the word, the word country club thrown out there with how nice the grounds are. Um, but you're not going to find a coach that instills a greater blue collar appreciation and approach to the game than, than John Torpy does. Um, he's got the superstar talent and nothing. He needs to find an answer in the goal for the graduation of Tim Troutner. But if he can win faceoffs, they're going to score goals. You know, they're going to be organized at the defensive end. And you know that nobody's going to play harder for each other and for their coach than the players on high point. So I, I feel good with high point. Uh, you know, at 12, they do play an unbelievably tough schedule, which is, you know, again, vintage Torp. They don't hide from anybody. They look and they hunt the toughest schedule that they can. And last year they were able to beat two Final Four teams in Duke of Virginia. And they're going to have their opportunities to win those types of games again yep. this year. And they got to go out and they got to win those games again. Yep, no doubt. Um, I, I, another guy in Ashton-Olting that is semi-overlooked just due to the fact that there are so many attackmen. I mean, uh, Ashton-Olting, I think, has got legitimate towards on finalist ability. Absolutely. He is, he is just like Pat Spencer um, in his size and his vision and his soft hands. Um, he can score. He can dodge. He is a pass-first guy, which kind of, uh, you know, makes him a fun guy to play with. But – but he's awesome. And then as far as Torps goes, I couldn't agree with you more. I, I got a chance to go down to practice last year. And, like, 
you know, there's competitions and guys going crazy over little wins all day long. Torque makes it fun and he make it, but, but, but they compete so hard. So, uh, it's pretty awesome. Um, be, be an unbelievable program to play in, um, especially on a day in and day out basis. Great to, uh, it's great to see somebody that, that has worked so hard and never makes excuses about anything have success. And, and he took a program that had no history and he has made them, you know, listen, there was a point last year where I had him firm, firmly in my top five. Yeah. Uh, you know, so this is, this is by no means a gift this, they may even be low at 12 here. Right. Um, okay. So let's, ta- let's uh, talk about number 11, Ohio state. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think, You've said it many times about Nick Myers. Nick Myers has done such an unbelievable job of, of allowing Ohio State to take the next step. You know, he is firmly entrenched, I think, as one of the best coaches in the country. And, you know, you made a point in your podcast referencing how, um, you know, Ohio State has, has so many uh, – layers of support of the program but you also have to have a coach that has the intellect to know how to integrate them effectively and Nick Myers does that as well as anybody this is just a team that 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 doesn't beat itself they've got some spectacular uh players uh you know Ryan Tarafenko is probably the best short stick team in the country although I I personally would rather have John Fox uh they've got two great face-off guys um, which is going to allow them to get the ball. They've got a Trey LeClaire, again, one of the best scorers in the country. Um, they don't need to outscore you to win. This is a really balanced and well-coached team. And they added Dylan Sheridan as their offensive coordinator um, when Brad Ross left for Navy. Um, he was a head coach at Cleveland State, really innovative thinker, great guy, and – um, on, on, on the defensive side with Travis Crane, awesome guy, great coach. And Coach Myers, I mean, listen, he has an answer and a solution and, and to everything. You, you talk about any situation, he's thought it through for hun- probably hundreds of hours. It's really impressive when you watch that guy operate. So it's going to be what, what, a good, what a good guy. I, I, I saw Nick Myers uh, – you know, this summer when we played out in uh, Columbus uh, for the PLL, and he just – he's had a ton of success, you know, especially in the last, you know, three, four years, and he's just the exact same guy that he was 15 years ago. Um, and it's great to see him succeed. Yeah, no doubt. Okay, let's talk about number 10, Duke. You know, this is, uh, this is really low for Duke. Um, however, when you look at Duke – you know, they've got what I consider one of the most electric midfielders in the country in the Kai Montgomery. I think if they are consistent in utilizing him to start the offense, I don't care if he's covered by a shorty or a pole, he's going to break these guys down for goals if you don't slide. And I really see them needing to rely on him, especially early on to create offense for this team. Uh, you know, he's, He's so electrifying athletically that you just, 
you just can't put a short stick on him. The guy's not even going to touch his body, yeah. you know. Um, you know, but I, I think there's very, very few poles that can even stay with him. They are a little nondescript on the attack. Uh, they've got some great finishers, and I'm sure we'll see the emergence of, you know, a dodging threat down there as well. But nobody sticks out to me, um, you know, at this point. And then you go to the other end of the field, you've got what I consider to be the best defenseman in Division One lacrosse this year, JT Giles Harris. I predict he's the first defensive draft pick in the PLL draft uh, in April. Um, you know, with those two guys carrying the load, especially early on, you know, I would imagine that Duke probably starts slowly, uh, you know, but all that really means is that uh, they'll probably end up being in the final four again, because that's what John Donowski and, and, and Ronnie and those guys do is they simply just get better and better and better over the course of the year. And guys that might not be household names early in the season certainly become them down the stretch. So I expect Duke to be there in the end, but I can't rank them any higher than 10 based on what they don't have right now. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, I think uh, the history is that Coach Stanowski, Coach Caputo, and uh, Coach Stanowski Jr., Coach Forty, they, they do a great job developing players. Yeah. Um, and they tend to start slowly. And they usually bounce back, you know, after a couple of early bad losses. The, the difference when that was happening, you know, in years past was they had a, a lot of bona fide, you know, yeah. sports-on candidates and, and first-team yeah. All-Americans. And, and they don't have that now. It doesn't mean that these guys won't emerge. I'm sure guys will. Um, but I agree with you that the, the issue here is just like, really, are they going to get the kind of scoring that they need? Because you know They got to love playing. I would love to play for Matt Donowski. Like, I just – I love the passion that that kid has. And, and obviously, he's done it all as a player. I think if I was a recruit, just the appeal of going to practice every day with Ned Crotty and, and, and Matt Donowski, two yeah. of the best players – still two of the best players in the world. I mean, uh, they may be a little bit on the older end, but those guys are still so unbelievably good. Number nine, North Carolina. Yeah, to me, uh, the heels – really uh you know short up the position in the net and to me that's been the biggest issue for them along with not having a true dodging attackman and when you look at Caton Johnson who I believe won the ACC rookie of the year award last year um he seems to now give them a presence in the goal that allows them to make all the saves that they should make and a bunch of other ones that they shouldn't. And they lost some really, really tough, heartbreaking one-goal games last year. Virginia, Duke, and uh, did they lose to Cuse by one as well? They may have. Yeah, they did. Uh, you know, but, but they were right there. And I think with the transfer of Chris Gray, a first-team All-American attackman, into the program is now going to give them balance. They've been a heavy midfield dodging team the last, you know, two, three years. And I don't think they've had adequate balance since uh, – who was number zero for, Hopkins, for Carolina when they won the national championship in 16? Do you remember that kid's name? Pontrello. Yeah. Once, when when Pontrello, Stephen Pontrello graduated, they just haven't had a presence back there. In my opinion, that's been, you know, a true threat to break a pull down off the dodge and score goals. And I think now with Chris Gray filling that role for them, it's going to make their midfielders only more dangerous – not only as Dodgers, but also as step-down shooters. And I think you get Bowen back on the back line. Um, you know, this is a team that's, that's ready to take the next step. 
uh, and I expect them to, again, compete for the ACC championship and, 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 and ultimately a national championship, depending upon, you know, how, how quickly they can get connected on the defensive end. They're going to have some young defenders that need to step up and play well. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, having goaltending, face-offs will be huge. They made an improvement on that last year. Yeah. Um, and, um, yeah, and Chris Gray, I mean, you know, it's no, it's no secret. Anybody that adds – anybody that has a first-team All-American dodging playmaking attackman is going to be in the mix. No question. Zach Tucci at the X really gives them, you know, the ability to compete with Petey LaSalle at, Peter, Petey LaSalle at Virginia. Uh, and, and, again, I think he can go head-to-head with about anybody in the country. All right, let's talk about number eight, Notre Dame. Yeah, I think Notre Dame, to me, this is going to be an interesting team to watch because you lose, you know, arguably the best defensive coach in the country and Jerry Byrne when he went and took the head job at Harvard. Um, but they were able to attract two unbelievably high-quality coaches, and Chris Wojcik, the former head coach at Harvard, uh, and Ryan Wellner, the former defensive coordinator at Navy. And so even though they're going to look different with Bernsey, you know, no longer on the sidelines, I don't think that they're going to drop off that much because of it. I think they're going to be a little bit different. Um, You know, they still are going to be a defensive-based team. They have, I think, arguably the best dodge-and-shoot midfielder in the country in Brian Costabile. They got the parts that they need on on the attack to add balance there. Their, their offense is never very dynamic. It's not, um, you know, but they got Charlie Leonard at the X who may be the most underappreciated face-off guy in the country. He, you know, you, you look at the three-headed monster of, of TD at Yale, Gallagher at Penn and Arcieri at Penn State, Charlie Leonard might be in that group. You know, he, I'm looking at him and I'm thinking this is a face-off guy that I could maybe pick up in the PLL draft that isn't getting a lot of the fanfare that these other three guys are, and he may be best suited for that game given how much of an ass-beater he is. Um, you know, and, and Kevin Corrigan, obviously, is, is one of the best coaches in the game. You know, I, I like Notre Dame at, at eight, but I could have easily ranked them, you know, five, six, or seven as well. Yeah. Notre Dame, um, you know, they've recruited very well. Um, they, they take their time. And they are super athletic. Um, Jerry Byrne is no question, you know, in my mind, the best defensive coordinator out there. But I do want to make the point that Notre Dame played great defense and played a very similar model prior to Jerry getting there. Yeah. Um, and it's because Kevin Corrigan is a defense first guy um, who believes, I mean, all the things that, you know, Jerry believed in, like, you know, we're no double polling and not playing zone and, 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 and really creating decision-making as the biggest factor for his defense is stuff that Kevin preached, you know, prior to, I think, 07 when sure. Jerry got there. So, um, Charlie Leonard, um, he's a personal uh, favorite for me. Uh, coached him growing up. Awesome kid. Total overachiever. Um, and uh, was ACC face-off guy of the year last year. He, listen, he, 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 he deserved it. And, and he's, you know, he's a self-made guy. He was not a technician by any means when I saw him in Florida before he got to Notre Dame. And now I look at him yeah. and watch him play, and he is impressive. I yeah. mean, I just – wasn't he the kid that was playing, like, in the Speedo and the jean jacket with the sleeves cut off? <laughs> <laughs> and he was, he was a long pole, too. 
Yeah, yeah, he was a long ball. He was he was a stud. But look, you got Arden Cohen, who's one of the best defensemen in the country. Uh, is it Jack Kilty? Is that his first name? Can't remember. Kilty. Uh, they but they've got they've they've got the parts, and yeah, they're, they're, they're going to be there, no doubt. Um, all right, let's talk about number seven, Cornell. Yeah, this is a team that uh, I think was face-off dominance away from being a potential Final Four team last year. Um, you know, and, and they've brought in a couple of, of great face-off guys. I want to say they have, you know, four guys on the roster. Um, you know, but if you're in a league with TD Ireland and Gallagher – and your guy isn't able to go 45% plus, you're just going to have a tough time beating Penn and Yale. Um, you know, let's see what, I think it's Strahakis or whatever, whatever the freshman's name is from Long Island. I know he's very, very good, but is he good enough to compete with those guys? If he is, it wouldn't surprise me to see Cornell win the Ivy Championship. Um, you know, but if he's not, and they get dominated at the X to the tune of, you know, 64, percent plus they're gonna have a tough time trying to beat Yale and Penn but when they do have the ball and they are able to get the ball this is a team that can score on anybody at any time and in bunches they're a really hard team to prepare for you can't really simulate what Jeff T does for an offense um, you know they're really really well coached they play with a ton of grit and passion they play fast they got one of the best long stick meetings in the country in Salvatore and uh, and a great, great young staff with Milliman and Connor Busick. Uh, I just I, I think this is the I think this is the year with with the, that they follow through on the expectations that they got more consistency in the goal with uh, Chase Erlin. I think this is I think this is a good spot for Cornell. It wouldn't surprise me to see them in the in, in the in the Ivy Championship, and it wouldn't surprise me to see them. Uh, you know, in the quarters with the chance to make the final four this season. This is Jeff Teets last year. This is the year for them to do it. Yeah, no doubt. And they will need to win faceoffs to do that. I agree with you. Um, Piatelli back on attack, you know, yeah, he's a junior stud. now. He's a stud, man. That guy yeah. can break people down, and that's huge. Uh, huge. What, what they need on top of, you know, winning faceoffs is, is, is a few people that can break down poles. That's really not Jeff Teets' game. I mean, he's going to nope. score. He's going to get – I don't know, somewhere between two and six or six and two, uh, somehow every single game anyways. But um, but it, it's a lot better when there's middies. And obviously they lost Clark uh, Peterson, um, which who was a, a, a great and very underrated attackman uh, and also a great leader. He was a three-time captain yeah. at Cornell. And, at Cornell. And, at Cornell. Cornell. and um, yeah. it is the uh, nephew of the late, great Dave Huntley. Uh, so, yep. So they're going to have to. Uh, they got some things to replace, but they've been recruiting well. And like you said, uh, Milliman, great coach, smart, um, and really, really, really thoughtful in the way he does stuff. Under the radar, um, going to be fun to watch. So, um, number six, Syracuse. Yeah, this is. You know, Clark had just tweeted out yesterday that they have, I believe, more preseason All Americans than any team in the country, and and wanted to know if if the Twitter world was a buyer or a seller. I'm a buyer of Syracuse this year. Um, you know, you wonder what they're going to do uh, up front. It sounds like the transfer Trey Scanlon is going to end up playing a lot of attack. That wouldn't surprise me. I frankly think it would be really, really smart. They get Dordovac back from an ACL injury. That takes a lot of the pressure off of Todd Curry. Um, they got 
a beast of a pull in the kid Kennedy. I don't know if they're playing him down at close now or if they're going to continue to play him up top, but you know, he is such a game changer, not only in his ability to defend top middies and put the ball on the ground, but more importantly, he's able to get the ball up the first time and there's a threat in transition. I mean, this is a kid that could go and score four or five points a game. You know, if you're not super, super mindful and game plan for him effectively, you've got one of the top five close defensemen in the country in Mellon. You got Drake Porter in the net. You got Cal Durth. Uh, I think that's his first name at short stick D mid, you know, they, they really are established Yeah, they got pieces at the goal on the defensive end on the defensive midfield. Um, you know, are they going to win enough face-offs and are they going to get some consistency, uh, out of the attack position? And if Chase Scanlon is playing down there and he, he's able to create slides, um, you know, versus pole, then they're going to get the balance they need on the offensive end. So teams can't double pull the midfield. And this is a team that, you know, again, has never been short on swagger. And if they can stay healthy and, and, and have success at the faceoff X, this is a team that could be playing in the Final Four. They could. Yeah, I agree. Um, they're going to be fun to watch. Chase Scanlon transfers from Loyola, scores like, I don't know, what, 45 or 50 goals last year as a freshman, as a midfielder. Right. Uh, he's a box player. Um, he is uh, actually played for the Coquitlam Adonax. And I got a chance to watch this kid when he was – 17, 18 years old, super young. Like usually junior A, you don't, you don't, you don't, you don't factor in at that age. And he was dominating. Yeah. The playmaker. So he, would, he would get four and three, two, three and four, five and two. I mean, um, and, and I think, I think the, the key is having a bunch of other guys around that can create because he can create, but he's not like Pat Spencer where you can like, or, or a national thing similar to a Jeff T. Not, he doesn't play like Jeff really, but, but he's similar in the sense that he's physically not superior size-wise. So you can't just put a team on his back. But, man, he's got a skill set and a, a playmaking ability that, that is really uh, high level. Uh, all right, number five, Penn Quakers. Yeah. Uh, look, Mike Murphy won the uh, National Coach of the Year last year. Listen, he did such an incredible job of bringing that team together last year you know they were in a little bit of disarray the year before that um you know and 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 i think had his back against the wall a little bit um but to his credit he went out and and continued to schedule the most difficult teams in the country you know you look at what mike murphy schedules at penn and john torpy does at high point you know these two coaches are going out and they're trying to make the they're out of conference schedule as as tough as it can possibly be and this team started 0-3 last year and then went on a whatever it was, 11 game winning streak. Yeah. They beat Yale two times in that streak. They won the uh, Ivy Championship, which was incredible. You know, uh, and I think that they're very deserving at five. You know, you look at their team, they're going to be a little different in the goal. But the fact is, is they get a transfer from Virginia, Patrick Birkinshaw, that I'd be surprised if he's not the starter for them day one. He's a stud. They've got a – First-team All-American caliber defenseman, lockdown guy in Mark Vancheck, who's just a man-child beast. They've got arguably, you know, the best face-off guy in the country, but you got to say that T.D. Ireland is the best face-off guy in the country. But Gallagher, you know, again, through three contests with him head-to-head last year was about 49%, which is, you know, phenomenal. So he gives them the ability to get the ball back all game long. Uh, you've got 
the best overall midfielder in the country and Sam Hanley. You and I have spoken about him a little bit before. You know, this is a guy that put up, whatever, 70 points or so last year as a midfielder and wasn't really even, you know, playing that consistently the first three, four, five games of the season and then went on a tear. And he can break down a short stick for goals. He can break down a pole for goals. I'd love to see him become a little bit more disciplined as a shooter and shoot lower or, or, or use more high bounce shots. Um, I do feel that at times he lets the goalie off the hook, but he's so good at creating a high quality shot for himself. And he's such an unselfish uh, player in that, you know, he's not hell bent on, on scoring goals. He's, he's hell bent on his team scoring goals. If that means he's dodging and shooting or he's dodging and feeding or he's dodging to create a slide and hit the outlet, you know, this is a guy that is a, uh, a generational player, Sam Hanley. And just as a sophomore, uh, he's got three years left. The fact that he was first-team All-American as a freshman last year is terrifying. Great. And Coulter seems to be in a good spot for UPenn. So I like UPenn right here at five really, really well. Yeah, I don't disagree. I mean, um, I, I will say I think the loss of the attackman – what's the kid's name again from Richfield? Simon Mathias. That's a huge so, loss. Yeah. So the, the loss of Simon Mathias – um, is going to be significant. Now, I hear that they've got a lefty sophomore that is a slasher, uh, Severn kid that is playing great. But let's just, let's just make sure that we realize that Simon Mathias was – I think he was the best player on that team last year offensively, even though Sam Hanley did get the accolades, and I get it. I think he's a generational talent. First team All-American freshman says a lot. But Simon Mathias, you know, would get the best matchup. And he took that. Yeah. He, he took his guy to the rack. And he scored in every different way. I mean, as a yeah. slasher, as a post-up guy, he used fakes to beat people with his mind. And he could feed it and he could ride it. And, man, he was just a beast. And, and, and stepped up in big moments. You know, I'm with you 100%. I think he was, what, an HM All-American? But I'm not so sure that, you know, I'm with you, that he wasn't Penn's most valuable player. Then he got Goldner, who's – you know, 50 goals a year. They will lose Tyler Dunn, who did a lot of things for them as well. Yeah. Um, you know, but this is the year they need to win before Gallagher graduates. This is this is the year. Yeah, no doubt. Um, okay, so now we're into the top four teams. Number four, Maryland. Yeah, I, I know that uh, apparently they looked really, really good in late season form this past weekend in their scrimmage. Um, you know, but again uh, – you know, I have him at four here. I think they have arguably the best player in the country, and Jared Bernhardt does it all. Um, he's going to be an unbelievable player in the chaos uniform if I can get him. Because he <laughs> is a stud uh, and can do it all. You've got Bubba Fairman, You've got DeMeo. You've got Winoskis. Uh, you know, you've got, um, you know, a great defenseman in Bacar. But what you have is a team that just reloads – every single year, not only in recruiting, but also guys transferring in. You got John Tillman who, you know, for the last decade has to be considered the best coach of the last decade. He has to be, um, you know, and the culture there is at an all time high Maryland four may end up being too low. You know, this is a team that could absolutely go on and win the national championship. Um, you know, but I had to put him at four when I look at my one, two, and three. Yeah, well, I, I think I put them at number one in my poll. I, I, I think that they're off the charts. Um, obviously, we're splitting hairs here when you get down to the final four teams. But Jared Bernhardt, 
is also would be my pick right now as the Tewart Tongue winner. As much as I love a lot of the other players and, you know, Ament and, and Sowers and, uh, you know, Ireland, all these guys. I mean, Jared Bernhardt is a freak. You know, he carries his stick, Andy. When he's dodging against Bolster and behind, he doesn't have to choke up on a stick and protect it. He kind of holds it, you know, three quarters of the way down. Yeah, so he's like pretty much in a shooting and feeding position, kind of like Rob Pinnell does. But he's like that, but he's faster. He, yeah. he just turns the corner at will. Uh, he shoots the you-know-what out of the ball. And he may yeah. not be as elite of a feeder, you know, as far as breaking records. But I also think that's part of, like, how Maryland plays. And I think in this age with the shot clock, uh, as you know, you might have to win a game 2019. Right. Uh, I, I think they can. And they got Shockey in the, at the faceoffs who, you know, maybe he's not uh, um, the, the best guy or in the conversation with the top couple, but that guy can compete um, and is a high level. He's, he's definitely a, you know, he, he's, he's in the, he's in the five to 10 group. Sure. I'm not so sure the kid Calderon, who's a freshman there plays for the U19 team, doesn't right. beat him up. You know, we'll see what happens. I, I, I meant to ask, uh, about that because I think the Georgetown yeah. guy, James Riley, ended up beating up the Maryland faceoff guy in the scrimmage this past weekend. Um, you know, and I think Shockey was taking the faceoffs for Maryland, but I, I wonder if Calderon was hurt. I wonder why. Calderon played, and I think that he, um, you know, I think he, he wasn't uh, at As effective level yet. I mean, he's just fresh. He's still freshman, though, so. Yeah. Um, all right, so number three, Yale. Yeah, this is uh, – Look, they lost in the national championship game last year to Virginia. They won the national championship the year before. They've got, um, you know, what I think is, again, a, you know, arguably the best cover guy, arguably. JT Giles Harris, is, to me, is the number one defenseman in the country. But Chris Fake, you know, in terms of being a cover guy, might be number two. He, he is such a beast. It's incredible. It's like watching David Morrow play. Um, you know, he just doesn't seem to make many mistakes. The only thing that – uh, you know, that I can't get out of my mind, though, is was, was, was what Grant Ament was able to do to him head-to-head -head last year. It really shocked me. I thought that Chris Fake would win that matchup, and Grant Ament won the matchup head-to-head. -head. But Chris Fake is one of the best defensemen in the country. Um, you know, you've got Jackson Moore up front was an attackman, 90-plus points. You've got one of the best finishers in Gaudette. He's a senior. He, I feel like he's been there for, for 15 years, you know, um, and I don't want to give him too much juice because I don't want to come across as blowhard, but that kid is a stud. I love his passion, and I love uh, how much uh, competitive spirit he has. You've got a culture that I think is the strongest in the country in what Andy Shea's created at Yale, and, and there's, a lot of, there's a lot of great coaches, and there's a lot of great programs with really strong culture. But what Andy Shea has been able to do, particularly in the last, you know, three, four years, they, they've, they went from a team that, you know, got into the top 10 and now they're like in the top three. You know, I, I look at Yale and Penn State and Virginia as sort of the three and, and who's going to be that fourth team to step up. Is it going to be Maryland? Is it going to be Penn? You know, will it be Cuse? I don't know. But, uh, but I like Yale at number three here. Obviously, they get the best faceoff guy in the country, in the history of college across, um, you know, to get them the ball at a rate of 75% plus. And it's a team yeah. that doesn't beat themselves. They're creative offensively. They're dangerous defensively. This is a really, really good team. 
Yeah, no doubt. I mean, as far as the culture goes, I got a chance to watch a practice and it's amazing to watch the players, you know, basically be doing quality control, um, you know, on the field. The coaches will be like, all right, we're doing this, let's go. And then the players um, are the ones making sure that everyone's doing everything the way that they're supposed to be doing, the way they've discussed it. And it's so obvious when you're there and it's yeah. so impressive. The other thing I want to say is Matt Brando. I mean, Brando, I mean, that guy, he, he honestly is, is a pretty underrated player, too. Totally. That's that, you know, I mean, what did he have? He scored like seven or eight goals in like a playoff game last year. I mean, the guy is a freak. He, um, is he can run by anybody. Yeah. He, is, he played the, le the lefty position on attack as a righty for right. like, you know, the stretch run. Um, he can dodge, he can shoot, he can feed. Um, the middies at Yale with their strength and conditioning program, they, they're athletic as hell. Yeah. Um, and like you said, Yale made this jump. You know, it's not that hard to make a jump in, when you're coaching to go from not very good to pretty good and pretty good to really good is, is harder. But when you go from really good to great, that's a hard jump and they're making it consistently. Yeah. And, uh, you know, obviously it helps to, to, to get the ball back all the time. But, but I really feel like, you know, between their, you know, the way they recruit, the way they develop their players and develop their culture – um, is second to none. And in fact, Terry Foy told me the other day, publisher at Inside the Cross, that Andy Shea was voted the best coach in Division One by his peers. And that's, and I think that's right. I mean, I, I think that's right. Um, you know, if you go back 10 years, you got to say John Tillman. But I think if you go back five years, you got to say it's Andy Shea. And right now, yeah, I agree. Uh, it's kind of neck and neck on that one, too. Um, all right. So, number two, Penn State. Yeah, Penn State, you know, parts of me wanted to put them number one just with how they were able to play last year. You know, you've got the scariest combination in college across, I think, since Gary and Paul Gate and Grant Amen and Mac O'Keefe. You've got an unbelievable dodging, quick, slick attackman that can go both ways, uh, you know, in Grant Amen. And then you've got probably the best stretch shooter in the history of lacrosse, college across in Mac O'Keefe. Um, you know, and those two guys together, you look at the numbers they've put up, and those numbers support that statement. And I realize that's a really big statement, but I stand by it. You factor in Gerard Arceri at the X, he just doesn't get enough credit. You know, to me, he's, he's the third best guy in the country just ahead of Charlie Leonard, but behind Gallagher and TD Erland. You've got, uh, is it Colby McNeese? Is that the goalie that they have? Who's, uh, who's again, one of the best goaltenders in the country. They've got, you know, a, a bunch of midfielders that, you know, are between 10 and 25 goal scores, uh, you know, and they're, and they're just playing at a, at a pace that seemingly no one can match. Uh, you know, you take TD Erwin off the field last year in those Yale Penn state games and Penn state wins those games. It is, and you know, they do. Um, but this is going to be a really, really tough, team to play this year to me the challenge is keeping grant amen healthy making sure you know they they got all their best players on the field and if they're able to do that um you know i'm not so sure they wouldn't be the favorite to win the national championship this year just the fact the only reason i have number two is because they didn't win the national championship last year yeah um you know but if i had to bet on one team i think i would bet on penn state but i have them at two uh, obviously, Jeff Tambroni, you know, we keep mentioning all these great coaches. I mean, Jeff Tambroni made Cornell, you know, don't forget, 
Cornell, when Jeff took over in the early 2000s, unseated Princeton as the dominant program yeah. in the league. Yeah. He won like nine or 10 straight Ivy Championships. I mean, and right. was like literally- Bill Tierney, uh, was still, Bill Tierney was still in the league. Exactly. When he was still in the league. And secondly, he was literally like somebody just chucking it over their shoulder away from winning a national championship I, I, as an Ivy League school, which was like really a, you know, a sickening moment. I, re, I recall um, feeling I wanted him to win so bad. I want him to, um, and he's I really a great guy him. and he's so smart. The other thing is, is that the way they play offense is so unique. I believe that is, it, is, it is truly – he has created this sort of positionless lacrosse uh, motion offense that is like nothing we've really ever seen, even though they've got the dominant player in uh, Grant Ament, they balance the field. I mean, he still ends up with like one and nine, but, but he's not, but he's, it's, it's not like, all right, you know, all we got to do is shut down Ament because everyone else is standing around. I mean, there's yeah. balance on that team. And then finally defensively, um, you know, they're going to get overlooked because the offense is so high powered, but, but, um, uh, his, his, Coach Stoner and, and, and Coach Ambroni, they, they, they're phenomenal defensive coaches because it's all about discipline. Yeah, I, I really want to see Jeff Tamboni win too. I mean, he's just uh, – he's, he's simply one of the very, very best coaches in the country. And, you know, when he took that program over, I think everybody was expecting them to win instantaneously. And, you know, it takes a while to create the culture that's reflective of your personality. He's such a hard worker. He's such a smart guy. Yeah. So humble. You know, he really is such a humble, understated guy. Um, he is. You know, and I, I agree. I, I love their, their offense. It's really, really dynamic. And I think to some degree, you know, the scheme helps the players put up these huge numbers. But you look at Grant Amen, you know, his one and nine is so much different than Mikey Sowers' one and nine. You know, and they're similar looking players, but it seems like Grant Amen just, you know, gets his within the flow of the scheme. Yeah. Well, it seems like Michael Sowers, you got to flip him the ball and be like, all right, do what you do, bro. You know, and, and it's just, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's fun to watch the players have such unbelievable statistical success without, like, playing selfishly. And yeah. that is certainly a reflection on the offensive scheme that, that they run there. All right. Number one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Virginia, you know, I think you have to do it. You look at what returns to that program. You know, let me say, and I said it earlier, um, you know, Lars Tiffany, what he did last year with this team in, in the span of, of what, is this going to be his fourth season? Yeah, that was, that was year three last year. So that was year three to win the national championship. When Bill Tierney took over Princeton, I believe he won a national championship in his fifth year. Yeah. This is a team that when Lars took over, they hadn't won an ACC game in, you know, a long, long four, four time. Years four years. Not an ACC game had they won. And, you know, certainly it's a reflection of, you know, the improvement in the culture and what he's been able to do there. And Lars is a, is, a, is, a, is a unique personality. And, you know, it, it is so great as somebody that was his teammate and, and knows him to see him be able to get, you know, everybody to believe that his approach is the one that's going to allow them to get, you know, to reach their program goals. And, and, and they did it. And, and you know, he earned it and his staff earned it. He's got a great staff as well. But you look at what they return, you know, just at the attack, you've got Matt Moore, 
Michael Krause, Ian Laviano, those two guys together as a group of three, um, you know, probably the best attack in the country as a group of three. Yeah. Um, you know, they have the best stretch shooting midfielder in the country in Doc Aiken. I don't love the placement of a lot of his shots, you know, but he's got such power that he can take a, a 16 yard shot and overpower goalies when the placement is, you know, in a spot that makes the goalies have to move to make the saves. You've got the success of Peter Lasala at the X who, you know, seemed to play his best when the game was on the line repeatedly down the stretch of their season, help them come back to beat Duke, to, to, to beat Yale. Um, you know, you got a goalie that stepped up and made the position his. You've got the best long stick midi in the country in Jared Connors, in my opinion. Uh, you got some underrated close defensemen. And this is a team that's, you know, as loaded as they are with stud players, the greatest attribute to this program is the culture that Lars and his staff and the, and, and the players have been able to create such a short time here. I, I got no reservations putting them at number one. Yeah, they deserve it. Um, I actually was uh, went out to dinner with Lars and uh, Stalford and JP, actually, uh, yeah. on uh, Saturday night and watched practice and went to a coach's clinic right before practice. And, and yeah. it was funny because Lars was talking about culture. And he was like, I know, I know. Nobody really wants to hear about culture. Um, I was kind of that way too. Give me some drills, give me some X's and O's. Um, but he's like, we focused on culture and it made, it has made a massive difference in our program. And uh, the one thing I do want to say is that although Virginia hadn't won games, uh, the, the, the cupboards were full. You know, those guys that you mentioned that are all sort of first team all American caliber uh, are guys that uh, were uh, recruited by the old regime. Um, but the fact is, is that Lars has been able to make them into a national championship caliber program. And it's, uh, it, man, it's sick to watch. We were, we were watching some of the highlights actually from last year's championship. Some of the goals that Matt Moore stuck He's, in like the semifinals. Are you kidding me, man? He doesn't give enough credit to that kid. Like Michael Krause is such a stud. He, he, he does so many things well for them. You could easily put Michael Krause on the right side and he'd be, he'd yeah. put up the same numbers. You know, he's so good. But Matt Moore really, you know, is, is, you know, he, he's the one that changes their team because now you got two guys that can beat yeah. the best poles in the country off the dodge. And then you factor in the simplicity of their offense, yeah. whether they invert and do, you know, short longs to create, you know, a step advantage or more from behind the goal or, or whether they're just dodging poles, you know, and, and trying to take advantage of two shorts playing in that four-man zone off ball. They just know who they are at the offensive end. They don't have any weaknesses. They can beat you from the outside. They can beat you from the inside with Ian Laviano. They can beat you off the dodge, you know, with mismatches. This is a team that you better, you better win face-offs and you better score goals because if they yeah. have the ball, you're going to lose. And some, some credit to uh, Kip, Kip Turner, um, who, who, who has really developed – uh, the goaltender position, and obviously uh, Sean Kerwin, who's really one of the brightest young offensive minds in the game. They play such, like you said, a very simple style of play where they they don't – it's so funny because they're like the one team in the country that just doesn't have to dodge shorts at all if they don't feel like it. I mean, Michael Krause can blow by his guy. Matt Moore can blow by his guy. Doc Aiken will slam into you and just hammer the ball. And they've got some new talent coming um, also. they got it, this right here. kid, Peyton Cormier, who has just got high-level lefty skills. Uh, look for them to do a little bit more uh, pick action on the wings. But they're going to be fun to watch. No doubt. 
So AT, that was a blast to go through that. Um, give me your Tawaratan finalists and your final four, if, if that's unless what we've done. I can do that. It was a final four. I can do that. So how many finalists? Four? Five finalists. Five finalists. Um, okay. Uh, I am going to say my five finalists for the Tawaratan will be Grant Ament, Michael Sowers, Jared Bernhardt, Jeff Teat, and T.D. Ireland. My final four will be Virginia, Penn State, Yale, and Maryland this year. And who's going to win it? Uh, I got Virginia winning it again. Back to back. Yep. Love it. Um, really looking forward to the season. Uh, looking forward to breaking it down with you every week. And uh, we will uh, talk soon. All right. See you, bud. Bye, brother. All right. How's it going, everybody? Thank you so much for tuning in to my podcasts. I've had so much fun doing them. I only wish that I'd started recording my lacrosse conversations like 25 or 30 years ago. Now, if you like these podcasts, you will love the content I've created in the JM3 coaches training programs and the academies. Whether you're a coach or a player or a parent, there's so much great information for you guys. I've done this content for men's lacrosse and women's lacrosse, for box lacrosse, field lacrosse, youth lacrosse. And the great news is I've created a seven-day free trial. So if you're tired of endlessly searching the internet for great content, just go to www.jm3sports.com slash free trial. And you can get access to all of the content I've created for free for seven days.